Hi, and welcome to the Purdue Commercial AgCast from the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture. I'm Dr. Brady Brewer, and I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Agricultural Economics. And joining me today is Dr. Michael Langmeyer, uh, professor and associate director of the Center for Commercial Agriculture, um, and also with the Department of Agricultural Economics here at Purdue University. Uh, today's podcast, we are focusing on credit underwriting, uh, or you, you may have heard this referred to as the five C's of credit, and we'll get into that here once we, we explain what it is. So with that, Michael, welcome to today's episode. Um, let's start with uh, kind of the basics. So when we're talking credit underwriting or a credit analyst, what, what, are, we, what are we talking about here? Well, several different metrics, uh, character, capital, capacity, collateral, conditions, and of course, we will go through each one of those, each one of those uh, one at a time. So, and what do, so the five C's is a framework to do uh, credit uh, analysis. Uh, what, why do banks use this when uh, a farmer goes to apply for a loan? Well, it's it's an easy way to, to think of some some things that they need to keep in mind when they're when they're when they're loaning to somebody. I mean, character is you know character is something that you always want to know about. Is this person does this person tend to pay back their bills? Uh, you know, is the community been working with this bank for a long period of time? Have we had have we had good luck uh, with their family members in the past? And so, and so that's obvious, but also some of these other things are related at specific financial measures that they'd like to get a handle on uh, to see if this is going to be a, a good loan. Yeah, so I think you hit the nail on the head there. This is uh, the bank's way to systematically and to have some type of a framework uh, for loan officers or, or credit officers to score a, a loan application to determine, hey, are, are you actually going to repay the loan uh, given the terms that we give you for the loan? And, and um, you know, I, I do want to give a, uh, a brief explanation that, so the five C's of credit is kind of the broad framework. Uh, I have found that different banks, especially in the agricultural community, they a lot of them have tweaked the framework to uh, meet their needs. Some place different emphasis on, on uh, each one of the five C's. Um, some have made it uh, fairly standardized, uh, and we'll get into some of the metrics within each of the five C's in terms of if you have this score, this is how many points it's awarded, and then uh, you have uh, a certain number of points you need to attain before they will grant you that loan. Uh, so this isn't a one-size-fits-all, but in general, we're going to be talking in in fair uh, in, in you know a thirty-thousand-foot view today. This is how banks think about scoring a loan application and giving a, a loan to a farm. So let's get into the five C's. And I, I think to me, let's start with one of probably the most important ones because what I hear from uh, bankers that I work with, uh, if if the character doesn't work out. It doesn't matter what your financials are. So, what is uh, what is the character aspect of of the loan application? Well, like like a lot of other loans, you can look at the credit score, and so you can see the history of of, of of history of paying back loans. But if it's a new customer, you probably have to do a little more scrutiny. Uh, even besides that. Uh, just asking them some questions about their operation, and then keeping your ears open in the community. Uh, does, is this a is this a is this farm or or is this family? Uh, you know, tend to honor their bills, tend to pay their bills back in a timely fashion. If if that the answer is yes, uh, this could be a fairly simple job. Uh, but if if the if this person is coming from quite a ways away, 
uh, and and uh, outside of the community, you start to wondering why is that occurring? Why several banks that the, that are that are within this fifty mile uh, fifty mile uh, uh, distance to this farm? Why are they coming to me? Then you start to have to asking uh, more detailed questions. You know why? You know why do you want to get a loan from us? You know what is it about this bank that that's attracting you, attracting you, or wanting wanting you to to work with us rather than the five other banks that might be uh, you know from from here to your farm. Yeah, and and to, to clarify, if if a farmer goes past three banks to get to their bank, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a negative on the character. It just means that the loan officer or credit analyst is going to do a little bit more digging of why are you passing these banks that are probably more convenient for you to do business with to come to us. And sometimes it's a reasonable answer. Maybe they have a a, a better loan rate, um, or you know some other connection uh, with that bank that can be easily explained. Uh, you know. I think this is something that is sometimes shocking when I talk with farmers. The character in some instances is a very subjective measure of the loan application scoring process of the credit uh, analysis. This is the loan officer's or credit analysis officer opinion of the farmer. Um, You know, and you mentioned the community aspect. This is they, if your if your kids go to school together, if you do community activities together, the loan officer is making a judgment call on the farmer. Is this person a good farmer? Um, and and quite frankly, a lot of the bankers I talk with, they place a lot of weight on this. Uh, what do they think of your farming skills? And another thing that I, I that I forgot to mention, but it's also important. Let's say let's say you're a recent addition to the farm, and you would you would like to start to develop, uh, you know, develop uh, loans under your name or loans under your name with with your father, with your grandfather. Um, they're they're also gonna they're also going in addition to looking at the farm, they're also gonna look at you as an individual. What are you bringing to this operation, and are you getting are you getting backed up? Uh, do you do you have a uh, do you have support? Uh, from the other family members to make sure if something goes wrong that you're able to repay this debt, uh, and so and so sometimes there's extra scrutiny if a, if a different person from the farm is now responsible or uh, for the finances or is coming to the coming to the bank uh, to 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 uh, to talk to the talk to the lending institution rather than uh, another family member uh, that maybe is retiring, and and so anytime you have a transition on the farm, there's also going to be more scrutiny uh, related to character. Yep. So the character is typically where most banks start. It's the first thing. And as I said, it, it's a it's a pretty giant hurdle. Once you clear that, then they start getting into the financial aspect of your farm. Okay. So they so the bank has now determined you as a farmer, you know, we understand you may get into some financial issues. You may have a down year in farming. Uh, you know, the character is really there to say, e- even with that said, are they still going to do everything within their means to repay us? Does this person have good character and, and won't uh, uh do anything to harm that relationship. But then they get into the, the financial aspect. So uh, I'm going to start with the long term of the five C. So let's start with capital. What is what is capital? Well, one of the measures that I, that I would use to look at capital, uh, and this is the primary measure that I use, is the debt to asset ratio. Uh, now, when calculating the debt to asset ratio, uh, obviously, you have to have a good balance sheet, good beginning and ending balance sheet. And typically, on this balance sheet, uh, you are you are valuing land at market value, and so and and so that that that's very typical. And the reason why that's important is is it's obvious that the debt to asset ratio is going to be highly dependent 
on how you how you value land. Another thing related to the balance sheet is you want to make sure that you're you have accurate values for the ending crop inventories. Uh, you have accurate values for the machinery, and so as all the things that go into making sure that the balance sheet uh, is clean and accurate is very important. But when I look at the debt to asset ratio, I know you have a slightly different metric, perhaps Brady. I look at forty uh, percent or above. Once it gets above a debt to asset ratio above forty percent, I start asking why. Uh, you know, why is the debt to asset ratio above what it is for most commercial farms? There's a lot of commercial farms that have debt to asset ratios down in that 20 to 30% range. And so, and so when it's above 40%, you're quite a ways outside uh, of what the average is. And, and there may be reasons why uh, your debt to asset ratio is 45%, but that's when you start asking questions. You know, why is it above 40%? Yeah, so uh, you mentioned I might have a slightly different metric. I'm willing to go up to the, to 50% as really where I, I start my red flag of what, what's going on here on the farm. Uh, so I, I guess I'm willing to take on a little bit more risk than, than you are. This is probably why I'm not a banker. <laughs> so, because so, I'm willing to take on that risk. Um, I completely agree, Michael. If you have a debt to asset greater than 0.5, it, it doesn't necessarily mean the loan's gonna be denied. But as a loan officer, I'm now looking at, well, why? There's there's some very valid reasons for having a debt to asset greater than 0.5. So remember, most banks only uh, require a 20% down payment, which means you know your loan to value is, is 80 to 100. Uh, so if you're a new and beginning farmer, I would fully expect you to have a, uh, debt to asset ratio that's on the higher end of this range because I, I would expect okay you're you're new you're beginning you're probably expanding you've probably had to acquire some machinery for yourself you probably had to acquire some land for yourself that would be perfectly uh, within reason to do that and then I would move on to some of the other five C's be like okay I know they're riskier this is a riskier client because they're new and beginning they've taken on some debt how is it repaying itself on the profitability side, which we'll get into that once we get into the capacity of the five C's. But yeah, and also Brady there, I mean, you know, obvious, an obvious thing, you might want some guarantees from some other family members, uh, some father, uncle, uh, grandfather, uh, if you have a relatively high debt to ask ratio of your beginning farm, because I agree, if you're just, if you're, you're, you're relatively new uh, to the farming business and you've bought some land, uh, you're going to have a high debt to ask asset ratio. It also a little depends on farm type. Uh, and the classic example here is if most people that feed cattle in the feedlot, for example, they're going to have a high debt to asset ratios. And so if you if you have a client that maybe maybe has an off-farm job, but also has some cattle in the feedlot, they're not going to have this 40%. Uh, they're going to be likely to be in that 60%, you know, 70% in, in that range. And so, and so sometimes, you know, the beginning farmer is kind of an exception uh, to, to uh, uh, below 40%, uh, but also uh, the, the type of farm, particularly cattle feeding. Another thing I wanted to say about debt to asset ratio here, and I don't want to get in the weeds here too much, but I'm going to, I'm going to a little bit anyway, is the debt to asset ratio is very closely linked to the to to uh, uh, to the farmers' risk aversion, and so people that are very risk averse are not going to have a high debt to asset ratio. Some people that are more risk neutral, they're willing to gamble a little bit, uh, maybe maybe willing to have a higher debt to asset ratio. And as a lender, uh, you know that that you're kind of gauging that a little bit. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point here. Is that you know you bring up the livestock farm. One thing we want to 
make very clear is that these benchmarks we're throwing out um, in agriculture, they're very farm type specific. Uh, so you mentioned the, the cattle feeder. The other one I like to bring up is dairy. Uh, dairy historically has higher debt to asset ratios because it requires more capital, right? Uh, milking equipment is expensive, especially for those farms that maybe are now buying the more robotic milking equipment. Those, those are a uh, you know, couple hundred thousand dollars a, a pop to, to milk the dairy cattle. Uh, I would, so you wanna, you, when you're thinking about your farm finances, and making this pitch to your lender, that's something that I always advise farmers, you need to know the benchmarks that you think you need to benchmark against. Because um, I've heard of, of an agricultural lender before, uh, you know, they only had one dairy in their loan service territory, and they were comparing them to the corn and soybean farms, right? And that's, that's where the farmer can step in and say, you know, I, I realize that your other loan portfolios, the farmers have a lower debt to asset, but dairies have a different balance sheet structure. And, and really, we need to be comparing myself to other dairies, not other crop farms. And yes, that, that, that dairy farm probably has some corn and soybeans um, on, on property or in, in the farm balance sheet, uh, but, but just capital-wise, it's a lot different, and, and farmers need to be aware of that. Yeah, and also another one that, that would be very relevant to Indiana, of course, is contract swine and contract laying hens. Uh, you know, they're the, the heavy, heavy investment in buildings. And, and so the debt to asset ratio could be higher for those ty types of farms. And so you're right. It's, it's very, you, know, you have to you have to be able to compare, uh, you know, this individual to other farm types that are like him. Yep. Um, other Capital measures. So, uh, Michael, you mentioned the debt to asset. So, really, any any form of dividing the balance sheet by another part of the balance sheet is is a capital measure. So, debt to equity is also pretty commonly used. Asset to equity uh, can also be used as well. Um, you know, and all those ratios are related. My favorite is is the debt to asset ratio, just because the interpretation. You know, if it's 0.4, that means 40% of your farm is is owned by the bank or or at least collateralized by the bank. Um, I, I really like that as a clean and easy interpretation. So that's, that's I agree with you, that's my favorite one to use as, as well. All right, so the capital is the long-term solvency and I tend to think of capital as the bankruptcy risk. If I'm the banker, I'm analyzing capital to say, okay, let's say in the off chance, cash flows run dry, profitability dips, and you have to sell out. What is the risk to me as the bank that if that uh, either if you sell your assets and then repay the loans or in the off chance I have to repossess your assets to cover the loans, I'm still not going to lose money, right? And that's why banks require that 20% down payment. That's why they don't like the debt to asset ratio get above 50% because if the value drops, you mentioned the market value of land can vary. If, if the market value of your asset drops, I want to know I'm still covered if I have to repossess and sell off those assets. Um, that's, to me, capital is the long-term uh, bankruptcy risk of a business. So moving on, so that's capital. So now let's go to our next C, which is capacity. So Michael, what is the capacity of a farm? Capacity is looking more at, at the short term. Uh, you, these are often called liquidity. Uh, what, is, what, is the, what is the liquidity position of the farm? And there's a couple here that are used rather extensively. Uh, one is the uh, you know, working capital to gross revenue, um, but also the current ratio. And I, I know some people are starting to use the working capital to gross revenue rather extensively. Uh, the problem I have with that ratio is gross revenue varies tremendously over time. 
And so part of the change in that ratio is just where we're at in the, in the, in the farm cycle. Yeah. Uh, you know, for example, uh, once we moved into 2014, out of that 2007 to 2013 period, gross revenue came down, that ratio went up. Does that mean necessarily that there was more liquidity? No, it just means that the, that, that, that the gross, rev, gross revenue changed. And so I really prefer the old traditional liquidity uh, measure current ratio. And, and again, my rule of thumb is the same for any business, two to one. I want a margin there so that uh, it, so it, it, so it, it appears like it's going to be that they can safely cover their current liabilities. Uh, and so there's a cushion there uh, in terms of covering their current liabilities. So um, just real quick uh, to, to be get definitional here real quick. So working capital is the difference between the current assets on the balance sheet minus the current liability. So I think of it as the cushion, the, the dollar amount of cushion that a business has. Uh, so if you have, you know, so remember current assets are those assets that can be turned into cash fairly easily. Typically we say within a business cycle, um, I tend to think of it shorter than a business cycle. Within six months, within uh, a couple months, you need to be able to turn those assets into cash. I know that's not always possible. We have inventory in the current assets, but that's how I think of it. And same thing with current liabilities. It's those liabilities that are coming due within the next business cycle. So that difference is, so if you have $500,000 of current assets and $250,000 of current liabilities, you have a working capital of 250,000 because it's the difference. So you can think of it as you have a $250,000 cushion between what you have on hand to pay the bills and what bills you have coming due. Uh, current, the current ratio is very similar and highly correlated to working capital. Instead of subtracting, we're now dividing. Current assets divided by current liabilities. So in that case, I just gave you 500,000 of current assets, 250 of current liabilities you would divide 500,000 by 250,000 to get a current ratio of two. So the interpretation of current ratio in that case, the, the number is how many more times uh, assets do you have on hand relative to the liabilities you have coming due. So if it's two, you have double the amount of current assets relative to the liabilities uh, you have that business cycle. I agree, two is the, the current ratio that I think everyone should should struggle or struggle for. Everyone should strive for, Michael. Uh, you know, I think one and a half is probably so acceptable uh, for those businesses that have a little bit more steady cash flow. So actually, we're going to kind of reverse trend here. Dairies and some of your confined animal operations uh, are probably going to be a little bit more risky on the, the capital side because of the capital requirements to fund those operations. But because they have more certain cash flows, I actually think those operations can probably have a current ratio of, of, of closer to 1.5 and still be okay. It's the crop farms I want to see have a higher current ratio in this category. Yes, I, I would concur with that. And another another consideration here that's very important is, is when you're thinking about your marketing plan or when you're going to market crops, for example, you need to, you need to keep the current ratio in mind. Uh, obviously, it's going to be vastly different. You have a vastly different ratio uh, if you sell everything at harvest uh, compared to holding half or more past the first of the year. And so that's also a very important uh, consideration when you're calculating this current ratio. And, and I've seen situations where the current ratio is extremely high. Uh, that's because they didn't sell any crop in the fall. 
and, and, and so, so a lender's going to look at that. And so uh, just keep that in the back of your mind is, is, is think about, you know, think about how is my marketing plan impacting my current ratio? Yep. So we've done the, the capital, the long-term uh, risk of a business. Capacity is the short-term risk of the business in my mind. It's looking at, do you have enough money on hand to pay the bills you have coming due? And do you have enough money coming in uh, if you're uh, depending on your current situation? So the next C that we're going to get to, so the fourth C is now collateral. Yes, and, and collateral, uh, you really, to put, put this in a nutshell, is really the relationship between how much money do I have borrowed on an asset and, and, and what is the value of that asset. And so lenders look at this very closely. If you're buying land, they typically want a certain percent of the cash to come from you. Uh, and, and same with machinery. They want you to make a. They want you to put a, a down payment down, and so a certain amount of the money uh, is, is coming from you. I call that skin in the game. Uh, they want to make sure that if you're buying something, you're willing to put your money on the line, a portion of your money on the line uh, to buy that asset. And so, so that's what lenders are lo looking for uh, when it comes to collateral. Yep. So uh, just to reiterate, cattle capital was the long-term business risk. Capacity was the short-term risk. Collateral is the risk of the asset you're buying. Um, and I think that needs to be taken into account. And farmers need to realize if you're buying land, uh, you know, land has been pretty steady. And yes, you know, the 1980s is, is in the back of everyone's mind. We, you know, land values dropped 30% in a couple of years. That's a fairly large decrease. Um, and, and indeed, we've had some asset bubbles in the general economy. Think about the 2008 financial crisis and the housing crisis where there were some housing markets where houses lost 50% of their value overnight. But in general, farmland is a very safe investment, right? It's, it's, we haven't seen too many periods of time uh, throughout history where land has lost value. Uh, so that's why, you know, banks may be willing to push the, the 20, the 80% loan to value where you're only putting 20% down, um, you know, if, if not less down in, in some cases, but Let's go to a riskier asset. Let's go to something that depreciates rather than appreciates like land, such as a tractor. Here, uh, banks are gonna be a lot more cautious of, of where that loan to value ratio stands uh, because they understand the moment you start using that tractor, it's, it's going to start depreciating and it's gonna start losing market value. Uh, and you could see a 20% drop in a year and the, and the bank wants to protect themselves. If they have to repossess that tractor, they want to make sure they can turn around and sell it and not lose at least too much money. Yeah, and, 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 and in general, if an asset is highly specialized and is difficult to sell on the, on the, uh, in, on the market, a uh, classic example is a swine building, uh, the loan to value on that is going to be a little different uh, than something that they, that they can sell. Uh, and so even though you, you don't plan on selling the asset, uh, if things go south, uh, the lender's, lender's going to take this into account. And if things go south, uh, they, they, we may need to liquidate this asset. And so, and so assets highly specialized, highly place-specific, grain bins, for example, hard to move a grain bin, uh, anything that's difficult to move and sell, uh, that's going to be taken into account uh, when, when, when a lender's looking at providing a loan for that asset. Yeah, and, and collateral is also going to get into a little bit, and we'll talk about this um, some in the final C in conditions, uh, but guarantees are also a big part of that as well. Yes. Um, the collateral requirements are going to go down if there's some type of guarantee on that loan, whether it's an FSA guarantee uh, or some other type of government-backed guarantee on that loan, uh, whether it's a USDA-type loan as well. Um, if that 
alleviates the risk there for the lender and makes it to where their loan to value ratio can, can increase and, and you have to put uh, fewer of your own skin in the game to be able to uh, use it as collateral. So uh, we've gone through character, capital, capacity and collateral. Now let's get to the final C and that is conditions. Yes, typically when you're looking at conditions, you're thinking of something like a profit margin, uh, you know, looking at expense ratios. I, I actually like to look at the repayment capacity measures, which, which most lenders, if not all lenders, uh, would go ahead and calculate. And so let's talk a little bit about how, how you would do that. Essentially, what we're doing with the repayment capacity measures, we're looking at net farm income. So what's the residual after we paid our expenses? Uh, what's, what's the residual? Uh, we're looking at off-farm income. Is there any off-farm income helping support uh, payments on this loan? Uh, what is the family living expenses? That obviously would be a negative that uh, would have to come out of net farm income or off-farm income or both. Uh, we would look at income tax obligations that might be there. And so that's also a, a negative. And so essentially we're looking at is net farm income and plus off-farm income uh, uh, large enough uh, to to cover uh, to cover uh, the 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 family living and and uh, income tax income and social security taxes is it large enough is there a big enough cash flow there uh, in order to to repay the principal payments or to make the term debt payments for the next year? Yep, and I, I think that's a good point on the profitability side. And Michael, so uh, and this is maybe another place where we differ a little bit in how we do our five C's. Uh, I, I use conditions as a catch-all. Uh, I've seen lenders put in market conditions as well. So this is going back to if you're a dairy farm, the lender is actually analyzing what is milk price doing right now? Yeah. Uh, it are, is, is the market price at a condition knowing your cost structure that you can even make a profit? And, and this is getting into your profitability or very tangential to it. Uh, but all you know, analyzing the external factors to the farm they're going to impact your income statement and balance sheet. Um, and some of this can be subjective. Some of this can be the loan officer, credit officer saying, I think dairy's profitable, or I think corn and soybeans are going to be profitable this next year. Therefore, you know, we're going to extend, extend the loan because the prices are going to be good. World supply is going to be good. There's a lot of factors that come in um, into this. Yeah, I would commute, compute the, commute the, uh, compute the measures. Sorry about that. Compute the measures. Uh, you know, look if look if there's enough money to cover family living, family living and income and social security taxes. And then if that margin is really relatively tight, then I would say, is there something going on in the agriculture community that's creating this situation? Is this farm the only farm that's having trouble re repaying uh, term debt or, or has a relatively small margin to repay debt? And that's where I would I would include the market conditions. I mean, you go back to the 2014 to 2019 period for a lot of grain farms. There wasn't a lot of cash left after you uh, covered family living and, and income and social security taxes. And so it was difficult uh, for, for quite a few farms uh, to, to, to fully repay uh, the term debt. So they had to uh, do things like borrow money on real estate that they own. Uh, they had to do things like that to make sure that this would work. And so, and so you're exactly right. Uh, you would want to make sure you you understand uh, production agriculture for the commodities that farm produces and is part of the problem just be, uh, affecting all farms of that type or is the situation where like 2020 is a pretty profitable year if a farm's having trouble in 2020 then you have to start asking i don't think it's the market conditions here uh, what did they do in 2020 that made it difficult uh, for them to be able to repay the term debt and that's where 
if if the conditions part of the credit analysis is is giving me that indication, that's where I take a deeper dive into the capacity and the collateral. What's the farm structure? What's the income statement saying uh, to me for why you know why they're not able to make a profit when when commodity prices are at a higher level? And and many lenders, uh, uh, Brady, you could speak more 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 to this than I probably can. Or they're not going to ask for just one year of information if you're a new customer. They're going to ask for more than one year, partly because of this what we're talking about here. They want to they want to see that if let's say if I'm coming in for 21, I'm a new customer in 21, and I'm I'm providing 2020 information, and and something looks amiss here. They want to see if this is a pattern. If if there's if if previous years. You've also had trouble, you know, repaying loans and and uh, uh, and 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 something we haven't talked about here, but I want to I want to touch on is is you know you you need more money than just enough money to repay loans. Obviously, you got to buy machinery, and, and and so and so that's why I really like the repayment capacity measures to really do a really gauge these things because you can really start telling really quickly uh, does this farm generating enough money to repay debt, which of course is what the lender's interested in, but also. Can they can they replace machinery that's wearing out? If, if they have grain bins that are old, do they have enough cash to replace those grain bins? Um, you know, is this farm sustainable? That's what we're, we're really trying to trying to get at uh, with re- repayment capacity measures. Yeah, and this is where uh, a lot of these five C's uh, start to become very correlated, uh, and probably something we didn't talk about when we were on capital and stuff. But, and you bring up a good point about the trends, right? The banker's going to look at, I, I would say, minimum three years trends. I would think they would like to have five years or more of your financials to see where you're going. You know, and this goes back to the why behind something. It's okay to have the high capital, uh, but if you are a new beginning farmer, and let's say you've been farming for three years and you've bought a lot of land over the, you know, and are accumulating it, is the debt to asset coming down, right? Are, are you working on decreasing that risk or is it still going up? Uh, I think that's the, the trend part is key to me because if I'm a lender, I'm looking at that, okay, yes, there's some red flags, but are they getting better? And it doesn't have to happen overnight. You, you know, no one's going to go from a 70% debt to asset ratio to a 30% overnight. But okay, did we pay off some debt? Did it go from 70 to 65? Are, are they making progress? And I like your point to the machinery. What's the plan in place? Okay, if you're at a 70% debt to asset ratio, what happens if you need new machinery? You already have a capital risk now. Uh, is that 70% because you just bought new machinery and you're not going to have to make any large capital purchases for five or six years? Or are you at that risk threshold that the banker starts to get worried and we know there's going to be some uh, expenses coming up? That's, that's where I was a bank, as a banker will start asking those questions. Yeah, and I, 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 again, I don't want to get in the weeds too much here, Brady, but I'm going to go, go ahead and do it a little bit anyway. Uh, you, the, some of the, these measures are obviously correlated, but some of this I found very interesting in some of the analysis that I've done over the years is, let's take liquidity, for example. Liquidity is not necessarily that correlated with profitability. Uh, you know, the liquidity, it, it, it varies by form, and it, it goes back to that risk aversion again. You know, some people really want to cushion there, and, and that's your risk averse people. They really want to cushion there in case something happens, whereas others are not so concerned about that. And so they're using their cash to expand very aggressively. Uh, and, and so and so sometimes these, these are not necessarily uh, correlated. That's why we have to look at all of them. Uh, as yep. a group. Also, uh, debt to asset ratio, in my analysis, I'd be interested to see what you say. 
many the reason why I say 40% or below debt to asset, I found that high debt to asset ratios to be inversely correlated with profitability. Uh, and, and so what that means is, is, is you did, they didn't get into the high debt to asset ratio by accident. They had profitability problems. Uh, and so gradually that debt to asset ratio has started coming back up. And so I want to get, I wanted to get back to your point. That's why the lender wants trends. They yep. want to see uh, uh, what's been happening to your debt to asset ratio over time and also liquidity. If you started with a, a, a ratio of two, three years ago, now it's down to 1.7. Now it's down to 1.4. That's a, that's really concerning. And, and so they want to, they want to be able to, you be able, be able to explain why is your liquidity crash so much? What did you do? Uh, what did you do differently uh, in the last couple of years to, to, to take your liquidity down? There may be an explanation for that. Maybe the market conditions were extremely tough uh, the last couple of years. And so working capital was drawn down. Maybe prices are lower so that they, the ending crop inventories are valued lower. And so that, that had an impact on, on, on current ratio. And so many times, these trends can be explained, uh, but that's why a lender is asking for the information just to see if there's a there's a there's a, a, a red signal someplace and 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 make the operator explain what's going on there a little bit. They're trying to they're also trying to learn about the business so so they can be satisfied that this is good, that that this is going to be a good loan. This is going to be a good relationship. So Michael, so we've gone through the five C's. Uh, is there any of the five C's that, that stick out to you in terms of importance? Do you think lenders place a heavier weight on one of them? Um, and how do, how do bankers tend to take these five, uh, five aspects of looking at a loan application and, and put them all together? I, I think, the, the, obviously, you said earlier the character is really important to, to most lenders. I think that's definitely the case. And then I, they're all important, obviously, but I think that debt-to-asset ratio is extremely important because that gets into that risk of bankruptcy, like you indicated. Once that debt-to-asset ratio is extremely high, uh, you, it's, there's a much higher risk that things are going to go south. Uh, and and I, I know Ellen uh, uh, Featherstone, and I don't know if you involved in that, that research or not, Brady, uh, has looked at the probability of default over the years. And one of the big, big things that they, they look at when they look at probability of default is net worth. And so if you have a high debt to asset ratio, there's not much net worth there. And in other words, there's not much room for things to go wrong. And so I think they put a lot of weight on the debt to asset ratio. Yeah, so I came in on the back end of that research where we were trying to predict um, probability default um, and the, the credit scoring model had already been created, but you are correct that that net worth and solvency piece, the debt to asset ratio really is a key predictor of, of bankruptcy. Now, uh, you know, do, do wanna put a little bit of caveat there. We were measuring bankruptcy. So a farmer not being able to repay the, the bank having to repossess, um, that is different from a, a farmer going out of business. So uh, a farmer that's forced to sell uh, and then repay the debts at the bank uh, is not counted as, as a bankruptcy in, in uh, that regard. So that doesn't necessarily mean that the farmers, that that's where the capacity comes into play. But what it did mean is that the, the farmer was able to maybe sometimes restructure, sell off some of their assets to recover, you know, to pay off their debts uh, and didn't have to fully go out of business. But yes, the, the net worth, the debt to asset was a key indicator of actual bankruptcy filings. And, and one of the other variables that was in those models, if I remember right, and, and every time I go to a meeting where there's a combination of agribusiness lenders and, and farmers there, uh, they, they, they quite often repayment capacity comes up. 
And so that's why I talked about repayment capacity in the end when we're talking about conditions is, is they look at that very closely. Uh, and they look at that more from a pro forma standpoint, if you will. And what I mean by that is, yes, they're looking at historically if you've been able to pay your bills and, and be able to buy machinery, but they're also looking at that uh, when you take an operating loan. Uh, they're taking a look at this operating loan and they say, okay, based on the market conditions at the end of 2021, uh, do I think that they're going to be able to repay uh, the, the, the current portion of term debt and have anything left over to replace some machinery that they're thinking about replacing? And so, and so the repayment capacity uh, is both from a historical standpoint, but also looking ahead. And I think you touched on that. Uh, but of all the different measures, that one's more of a forward-looking uh, you know, uh, uh, analysis of the business rather than backward-looking. Yep. Uh, in my experience, uh, thinking about the weights that go on each of these five Cs, uh, I, I agree with you. Character is probably it, – it, it's almost uh, disingenuous to put a weight on it because I, I think if uh, – character comes out negative, uh, a bank may not look at the other four of the Cs. Yes, I think so too. <laughs> if they don't think you're going to be honest in it, you know, even if you your balance sheet says you're you're less risky and, and you're profitable on the capacity standards, if they don't trust you, they they probably won't do business with you. Uh, so it's really hard to put a weight on that. But what, what I have found is that some of the larger ag banks tend to place a little bit more emphasis on the capacity than the collateral. Now, that's not to say that the debt asset isn't, isn't important. It is. It is a huge part of the credit underwriting and the loan application process. But one, they tend to place a little bit more weight on, is this farm going to be profitable? Because if they think you're going to cash flow, then their reasoning is as well, yes, they may be risky on the balance sheet side, but as long as they cash flow, they're going to get that, that debt to asset down. They're going to pay off the debt um, and, and be an okay customer. I, I tend to. So if I was a credit officer, I would place about equal weight on them. I, I think both are equally important. It, it's, it's important to have that long-term risk low. It's also important to make sure that the cash flow is in order so that you can cover the debts that are coming due. Yeah, particularly if there's an if there's a, a fairly large operating loan year in and year out, you're going to put more weight on that on that liquidity uh, than you would otherwise. It, it, yeah. and, and think about loan to value when you're talking about operating debt too. How much money is how much cash is the farm contributing uh, to the crop expenses versus the bank? As that ratio goes up, and, and specifically the proportion that's going into the operating loan uh, is, is paying for the cash expenses, they're going to take a much closer look at both repayment capacity and that liquidity. Yep. Um, so just one thing uh, I want to touch on here just real quick is thinking about uh, how can farmers use what we've talked about to be better prepared to go to the bank. Um, and, and I want to start off here by just saying, you know, first off, we're not telling you game the system. We're not telling you fudge your debt to asset numbers. That, that's fraud. We're not saying that. But what I am saying is, is have a plan. Be, be aware of what marks may be negative that the banker is going to more heavily scrutinize. If you have a high debt to asset ratio, you know, it, it's something you're going to have to own and say, yes, I, I'm a higher bankruptcy risk for the farmer. But as long as you have a plan in place, say, okay. I bought my equipment. The reason it's high is this. And you can confront the lender and, and get out in front of their questions. That's going to go a long way in helping ease those concerns of the lender. If you have a, a very forward-looking plan of, I know this is a negative mark on, on your credit scoring application. 
or your your framework, but here's what I'm doing to combat it. I think that bankers all the time just tell me as long as the farmer is aware of it and has a plan to address it, they typically, yes, they're still concerned, but they're not going to deny the loan application. Yeah, I would concur. And, and there's a couple things I I, I, I would state that, that are similar to what you what you just talked about. But but having having a person on the farm, if it's a multiple person farm, have a person on the farm that's responsible for the records uh, and, and, and the financial statements, I think is extremely important. And we've talked about this in, in other contexts with transition planning and, and other things, but but I think that's extremely important. So I, I think it's always impressive to a lender if you have a good set of financial statements, if you have you have a good balance sheet, you have cash flow, uh, you, you have some of these metrics calculated and, and, you, and you can converse with the lender related to those things. The other thing I think you gotta be ready for is I think you need to be, you know, we, we talked about it in, in this in, in this presentation or in this podcast. Um, you need to have you need to have a, a, a plan related to marketing. And so you need to be able to explain this is how I typically market my crop. This is what I this is this is what that marketing, this is some of the basics of my marketing plan, because that's going to impact liquidity in particular. And so that's pretty important. You don't necessarily have to have that on paper, but you got to be ready to talk about that. The other thing that you you brought up earlier, Brady, is having a plan related to adding family members and buying buying depreciable assets and land. You know, what's your plan here? Are you, what's your machinery set look like? Are you going to need a, to replace machinery, uh, quite a bit of machine in the next five years because you haven't bought any for five years? Uh, that, that's it's always good to look ahead uh, with, with the lender rather than rather than not saying anything about that. And so he's surprised. You know, you, do, you work with him one year, and then all, next year you 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 want you want big loans with with tractors and combines, and say what? <laughs> and so, so having that discussion. You know, this is my plan in terms of adding family members. This is my plan uh, in, in terms of marketing. This is my plan uh, in, in terms of buying machinery. And again, this doesn't have to be, you know, line by line on a piece of paper. But you've got to think about it. it, it it's the same as it's the same as what we talk about all the time with with students and others. Brady, having a strategy. What is your strategy? That's all. That's all. And if you can put that together, that would be extremely helpful in dealing with lenders. And, and I just want to. Put a caveat here. Ignoring the situation is not a strategy. Um, I've heard a lot of stories uh, from bankers, and this is something I hear all the time from ag lenders. They can typically tell when things are going south profitability-wise on the farm. They say, the, the farmer doesn't pick up the phone when I call. They would always rather you confront them and say, look, we're having a down year. Something happened, whether it be yield, whether it be weather, whether it be marketing plan didn't go as, as planned. They would rather you just be honest, say, look, and then they can help you plan for it. They want to be there to help you get through the situation because when you're pro when the farmer's profitable, they're profitable. Uh, so involving them in that plan uh, can really help. And that helps on the character side because they can see into your mind of what you're thinking of how you're getting your farm through the situation. That, so that not only helps this analysis, um, but they can help you with it too. So I think that's a pretty key point there. And also important for why a farmer needs to really uh, find that banker that they trust. Yeah, this this relationship 
it's not one way. I mean, we're, both both parties are looking looking for a good relationship. Uh, you're looking for a, a sustainable relationship. I mean, because you know, lenders and farmers they don't want to they don't want to start something. You know, we get an operating loan with a with a lender and start borrowing money with machinery and land, and then have to switch the next year. There's costs associated with doing that, and so and so both parties are looking for a longer term relationship. So with that, we thank you for listening to this discussion of, of a five C's analysis. Uh, we just want to remind all the listeners for more economic information, please visit us at the Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture. Um, our website is purdue.edu slash commercial ag. On behalf of the Center for Commercial Agriculture and Dr. Michael Langmeyer, I am Brady Brewer, and we thank you for listening.